Hello and welcome to episode 104 of Inside the WDF with me, Andrew Sinclair. I'm back after a couple of weeks away through holiday and, and work getting on top of me a little bit. It'll be a, a shorter than normal show this week as I'm a bit pressed for time. But I had a very fun interview the other day with Lorraine Wynn Stanley, so you'll hear from her. And I'll also very quickly walk you through the events that have taken place over the last few weeks and what's to come at the end of this week because there's another gold event on the agenda with the British Open in Bridlington. But to wrap up from when I recorded last, the first event after then was the bronze-graded Murray Bridge Classic in Australia. The men's title went to Brandon Weening and the women's title went to Melina van den Kaiboom. Nice to see Melina win, a different winner on the tour in Australia. I was right to think that Tori Kewish wouldn't travel for that one. And in the men's, I was delighted to see Brandon win. I had him on the show a little bit earlier in the year. He was having a good start to the year. And then, you know, the run-in for the World Series qualifiers and the Australian Open didn't quite work out for him in the way that he wanted it to. Uh, but he got the title there, and now he comes over to the UK for the PDC World Youth, full of confidence, I'm sure, and uh, ready to you know, attack the rest of this year and head into it to next year, knowing that he's got that title under his belt. There were two more events in Australia, the, the Tasmanian Darts Classic and the Van Diemen Classic. The men's titles were split by Peter Machin and Steve P Fitzpatrick. They played each other in both finals. Peter won the first one, Steve won the second. A first WF title for Steve, who's an up-and-coming player. And then Peter, I mean, he's had a very good year. He's top of the Australian regional table was his second title of the year and he seems to be playing at his best and hopefully is on course for a World Championship debut. But uh, as I said last time, the World Championship information is uh, a little bit on the, the thin side. They've not said anything since I released last time, so that's obviously still a, a bone of contention. Much like Peter and Steve in the, in the women's tournaments, Leanne Faulkner, long-time Australia international, made both finals. She lost the first one to Theresa Morris, but won the second one, beating Tasmania's Emma Watkins in the final. Uh, Corey Cadby was in action during the weekend. I think he got to a quarterfinal, maybe a couple of quarterfinals. Uh, as I said, it, you know, he didn't win, as I said last time he might, but him making a comeback onto the world stage is something that I think a lot of people would be interested in in seeing after everything that he's been through and some challenging times down in Australia for him. So perhaps this is him starting to build up the confidence again and build up some momentum. And maybe we see a lot more of Corey Cadby next year on the Darts Australia circuit, on the DPA circuit, trying to build himself back up again. Elsewhere in the Southern Hemisphere, we had the Taranaki Open this past weekend in New Zealand. The women's title was won by Wendy Harper, her third title of the year, and the men's was won by Ben Robb, also his third title of the year. It was good to see in the men's that Tahuna Irwin got to another final. He's someone who, a couple of years ago, should have been playing at the PDC World Championships and then had to forego that opportunity. Now finds himself recovering and regaining that momentum with a couple of finals on the, the WDF circuit, and maybe he's someone who, you know, the beast is going to kick on as well. So that'll be really good to see because he's a tremendously gifted player. The other two events were over in Catalonia, the Catalonia Open, the FCD Anniversary Open. Catalonia Open, we saw 
two first-time WDF ranking event winners. The men's was Patrick Mart from the Netherlands. He beat Alexander Merckx, who was playing in yet another final. Very good year for, for Alexander, who was on the show earlier this year as well. And in the women's, it was Patricia de Poiter from Belgium. Now, Patricia won the Europe Cup singles 10 years ago now, I think it was, but she'd never won a WDF event. But she showed she was in good form, got to a semi in Belgium back in August and then picked up that title in Catalonia. And in the final, she beat Ramona Eriksson from Norway, who is a player that I've I've spoken about on the podcast before. She's someone who I think a lot of her abilities as well. So it was nice to see Ramona get a deep run. And then the FCD anniversary open on Sunday. The men's title was won by Shane McGurk. A really good performance from him. He was 4-1 down in the final against Andy Bartons, the defending champion. And then Shane won four legs on the spin to take that 5-4. He's someone as well who I feel that COVID in many ways really stifled his momentum because 2019 he won a title on the development tour, was doing well on the challenge tour as well and seemed at 24 to really be coming into his own and then, you know, the last three years have have been what they've been and he's seemingly getting that back now in Ireland and in that weekend in Catalonia, was on holiday and, and won a title but good to see him get that Booker World Masters place and hopefully it's the sign of positive things to come from him the rest of this year and into next because he's someone with tremendous ability. And the women's, it was at an all-Swedish final in Catalonia. Anna Fallsmark on the show recently, she lost out 4-3 to Maud Janssen, who's a long-time Sweden international. Second title of the year for Maud, and it shows that those Swedish ladies that have been travelling together, they've had some backing from the Federation. It's obviously going to, to good effect because they seem to be picking up the results and justifying the travelling that they've been doing. That wraps up the recent action since I last recorded. But just before those events, we had the Swedish Open weekend. And this week's guest is someone who had success during that weekend. It's Lorraine Winstanley, who won the Swedish Open for the fifth time in her illustrious career. Lorraine and I caught up last week to discuss that title win, her run on the PDC this year, where she won a Women's Series title and qualified for the Women's World Match Play, her role as Head of Youth Development at Target, and looking ahead to the future and where her future lies on the WDF and PDC circuits. I'm now delighted to be joined by the Sweden Open champion, Lorraine Winstanley. Lorraine, how are you? Good morning, I'm great, thank you. Good to get you back on the show. As I said, a couple of weeks ago, you won that Sweden Open title. How do you reflect on that win now? play that consistently really but just managed to dig in at the right time and uh, as usual with this game it's all about timing and hitting good scores at the right time and taking out the finishes and eventually cross the line. It's actually your fifth Sweden Open title as well so there's clearly something over there that you like. I know I've always said it's one of my favourite places. (laughs) You tend to do well in places that you really enjoy going to. (laughs) Yeah for sure. I mean it's been a very busy year you know, for, for you and a lot of dart players this year with everything opening back up again. And we'll get on to that in a minute. But, you know, last time we spoke was during the middle of the, the pandemic and you were saying that it was quite hard to, to be motivated to, to go out and practice because you didn't know what you were practicing for. I'd imagine that that's changed a lot now. Uh, yes. <laughs> and especially with the uh, with the dates, uh, with the PDC Women's Series as well, um, that's added to it too, which is all positive, obviously. And uh, so 
Yeah, a little over a year ago, Target made you their, their head of youth development. How did that role come about? I got a phone call one day asking me um, if I would be interested in um, taking on this role. And um, obviously, I'm not getting up younger, and the future of our sport lies in the hands of these youngsters. So um, I jumped at the chance. And I think actually, the pandemic, obviously, being in the hair and beauty industry it was really difficult we got through it don't get me wrong and we went back after you know after we were allowed to reopen but on a personal note have your income ripped from underneath you overnight and you know couldn't touch my scissors for like four months and then we went back and we had to go back in the second lockdown um for me it, it um it offered a bit of stability as well and it probably interest the situation that I was in. I wasn't looking to um, to stop doing what I do, but it just made me look at life in a different way. Mm. I thought, actually, well, opportunities like this don't come along every day, so I'm going to grasp it with both hands and, and run with it and see how we go. And here we are a year down the line already. Can't believe it. It's gone so fast. <laughs> mm. And that's a full-time role, right? Well, yeah, sort of. It, it's really sort of sporadic in, in how busy I am. Some days um, I spend all day on the on the laptop and on the phone. And, you know, when it's development tour weekends, I'm constantly looking looking at results if I can't get there myself to be there in person. So, um, so yes, it's always on my mind. So, yes, I would say it's a full-time job. <laughs> So just to, you know, just to touch on what you were doing before, does that mean you know the salon has, has gone now, and the food truck that you and Dean were running as well has that gone also? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, so our little food business got us through COVID because that was all we could do. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we sold that uh, not that long ago because, of course, once we knew we were back to darts, we couldn't commit. We couldn't give it the commitment that it needed because obviously it feels like virtually every weekend we're here, there, and everywhere. And it's, that's not fair on customers that expect a bit of continuity and uh, and whatnot. It's no good just sticking a sign up saying, not here this weekend. So we sat to sell it reluctantly because we really enjoyed it. Um, and we've met some great people while we've had it. So, yeah, so that's that we've sold and that's now in good hands and open six. Days a week, <laughs> and um, and yeah, I've decided to. Uh, the salon is still open. Uh, I just rented my space from it, so it's actually my sister's salon. Hmm. So although I was self-employed, I worked so, uh, my sister. So yeah, that's still going strong. Oh, nice. Things I get to be a client and go and get my hair done. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of your role with with Target, then. When you're, say, going to a development tour weekend, of course you're watching the target players to see how they're doing and so on, but are you looking at other players as well and, and maybe recommending them to, to Gary Plummer as people you should be looking to bring in? Yeah, of course. Um, like I said, the future of Game. Um, the time they'll be in a teenager, it's not 
it's not easy as we've all been there <laughs> and I wouldn't ever clock back for anything. You know, big life choices to make and body changes. So there's all, all sorts going on. So although some youngsters can be absolutely superb, sort of below 15 sort of years of age, um, hitting 18 is a big milestone. And that's when things change. You know, obviously they're allowed to drink. They're officially an adult. Other, other things come into play, you know, working and, and whatnot. So there's an awful lot going on at that sort of young young age. So, yes, we're looking for, I'm always on the lookout for, um, you know, up-and-coming players. And if we can help them along in any way, then, um, of course, we're going to look at them. It's obviously something you're very passionate about because I, I remember seeing while you were over in Sweden, I think, you know, you were there for, for the two singles events. During the weekend, you were tweeting out congratulations to Nathan Gervin for winning a development tour. So clearly, you know, it, it's something you care a lot about, seeing how those players get on. My phone is always in my hand when I'm gone. When I'm, I've not got access to my laptop. Normally, my, my screen would be full of dark connects and games going on. I'm fl- flicking between them, watching how they're all doing all the time. Uh, but obviously, it's very difficult when I play myself because I still play... Um, you know, on that semi-professional level. So um, I also have to concentrate on myself. But yes, of course, I'm always, if, I'm, if I don't, perhaps don't look well, obviously, uh, during the day whilst I'm playing, but I'll certainly catch up in the evening and, uh, and see how everybody's gone on. And would you say that part of your passion for, for these young players and helping their development, does that come from that same level of support and those opportunities not being there when... You were a younger player trying to get into the game. Yeah, possibly. Um, I was I was eighteen when I started playing, um, and although the youth system, to a degree, was was out there, um, I didn't know about it. Um, so, so for me, Dartmouth always pub based, and you sort of had to be an adult to play. So obviously, as I said, you know, I got into playing through working in the pub. Um, you know, I got my way into the local team, and I played late, even then Super League and County and, and so on. Um, but yeah, I think I think if we can give these youngsters the helping hand that they need and the guidance as well, um, I think for me personally, um, being a player, I know what it's like to play. Um, but also being being the mum of a youngster that's come through the youth system and now plays in in the adult system, um, and I know what it feels like to play. But I also know what it's like to stand and watch your little one play. <laughs> so I can sort of have a bit of empathy for the, the parents and and supporters of of the other youngsters. So um, I think it makes me quite well rounded for for the role really. Hmm. Well, that, that that makes a lot of sense. As I said at the beginning, it's been a very busy year for you in terms of playing. And I guess the, the best point to start is go back to, to Lakeside in April for the WDF World Championships. How did you actually feel going into the, the tournament at Lakeside? Um, well, it was great to be back. There's no place quite like that stage there. And it does strange things to people. Um, I think, for me, I was ready in January... Um, and obviously, when they decided to postpone it, it was only a couple of weeks before it should have gone ahead. So I sort of got that plated feeling and 
put them down again for another month or so, you know, um, because again, we didn't really know where we were going with it. Um, so although although we did go ahead, I, I probably, my head probably wasn't in quite the right space because right, there was going, there was still that uncertainty hanging over us as to will it actually go ahead. So probably wasn't as uh, as good as it could have been and obviously the performance has reflected that well you beat you know Vicky Brown and, and Tori Kewish and then lost to, to Bow in the semi-finals how would you assess those performances I know Vicky can play so much better than, than that um, so I, I did sort of get lucky really against Vicky um, and Tori you know taking out Dieter the game before and though I was expecting more from Tory really and it didn't it happen for her and it's a case of just capitalising on on what you can like I say I, I, I played at probably 50% of what I can so I was winging it basically you know and just getting through that you know the result against Bo was no surprise hopefully playing like that for years um, and although she's had to issues with dartitis and whatnot she's she's come through the other side and is absolutely amazing so no I, I, at no point and that's it's very unusual for me because every time i stand on the off i expect to win hmm. um sometimes i look look like i do but inside i do for, uh, for the semi-final against bow i don't think uh, i had any feeling that it was going to go my way which like i say is unusual but that that that's also reflect on my preparation going into it Mm. And, um, and yeah, it just—I wasn't best pleased with my performances. Put it that way. <laughs> and and just a note on Bo as well. Of course, she won that world championship, but since then she's won almost everything she's played in, and had that wonderful weekend at the women's series recently. How good do you think she can be by the time you know she's even at her full potential? Which is crazy to think she's not there yet. To say she's going to be one to watch, we've all been watching her for years. Um, she's damn good, <laughs> and uh, it's it's sustaining that. It's like everything, you know. Um, it's okay being, you know, the as she's playing now, she's got to sustain that and continue that level and up that level. And it's how it's how anybody can do that, you know. And it's hard work, and of course. With these great performances comes more and more pressure and again it, it's sort of up to her as to how she handles that pressure and conducts herself with it really it's not going to be an easy ride for her even even with the talent that she's got you know with, the, with social media and you know you read some vile things people put on social media and it can be a great place for you know encouragement and and positivity, but it can also be an awful place for those keyboard warriors that all have an opinion, everybody's got an opinion, and and say some horrible things, and if you can switch off to that and continue to play like you can, and just prove all of us a lot right, really, that, that she is such a, a great player, um, and basically, you know, stick your nose up to everybody else and, and get on with it, then Obviously, she's going to go really far. You and, and Bo were back in an England shirt earlier this year, playing in the British internationals and the, the Six Nations. I know 
playing for England means a lot to you. So how nice was it to be back on international duty after a couple of years away through COVID? Oh, no, yeah, it's brilliant. I, um, I just completely shivered. <laughs> <laughs> Lockdown snacks haven't been very I mean, you got into that England team, you know, for, for this year's events through the qualifier that they ran last year. Are you going to be playing in that qualifier again this time round? Yes, I am. Yeah, because um, when the criteria changed, I decided to uh, stop playing county. I've said for quite a number of years that the only reason I didn't play county was my England selection. Uh, and when the criteria changed, I thought, right, this is a good a good way for me to free up some in my calendar uh, in my head I sort of knew it was my only way in so I thought it's, it's all or nothing I've got to win this or I'm not I'm not in it I was lucky enough to, to come out the, the winner of that uh, coveted spot so um, yeah I was really really chuffed with myself because nobody could argue the fact that I shouldn't have been in the team because I earned my Looking across to the, the PDC side of things then in the, the women's series do those events have a, a slightly different atmosphere to them than, say, the WDF weekends? Yeah, totally different atmosphere. You go in in a different mindset and can't sort of describe the difference in a way. It just feels different. There's there's a buzz in the room, but it's a, it's a quiet, it's a very sort of muted buzz that everybody is obviously really enjoying it, but we're not allowed to, to be riotous and shout about it um, it's, it's great I absolutely love it <laughs> I'll, I'll, I really look forward to the, uh, to the ladies to the women's series weekends I really do and uh, you picked up a title on the, the women's series this year event 10 was it a relief to get over the line in that one after coming close a few times previously I think the thing that struck me kind of watching your path through the tournament on, on Dark Connect was that the key games that you won against Fallon, Rianne and, and then Rianne again in the final, they were all close ones and, you know, seemingly for a change, those 4-3, 5-4 games, you were winning them now rather than losing in that last leg decider. Yeah, I have a terrible habit, habit of sort of going, going a couple of legs behind and doing the half-half work, fighting my way back and then like falling to the last leg. I really need to address that. <laughs> um, yes, on, on that particular day, um, yeah, it was it was brilliant. It, everything just sort of fell into place. And I, I don't know why I sort of felt a bit different that day. I, I got a bit, perhaps a bit more self-belief. And I felt quite calm and in control all day. It was it was a great feeling to have. If I could bottle that feeling, I certainly... Um, I certainly Having the offer of uh, the women's world match play, you know, that was the, the kind of big headline attraction, I suppose. Did those women's series events then become a priority for you this year? The moment the, the BBC announced that they were putting the women's series on, um, I said right from the start that I would, I would do them all. 
um, I think we've sort of been we've been asking quietly, you know, for for the PDC to do something for the women, and um, the, you can't ask and then not support, can you? Um, so yes, I I chose to to do the women's series over some of the WDF tournaments, and some of them was a big decision in some some respects because you know it clashed with a couple of events that. You know, if you win a gold event, then you're automatically in the World Championships, and that in turn takes the pressure off. Um, and I can understand why some players chose to continue to do the WDF because if you've got quite a few of your top players doing the women's series, it opens the door on the WDF. It, the competition isn't quite as strong, so it's more achievable for for other people to win titles. So I, I sort of I see it from both sides, but yeah, I certainly did say and would continue to say that I will um, fully fully commit to the to PDC series. And you said earlier that, you know, Lakeside's a special place, it does funny things to, to people. How were the nerves for you in the build up to playing at the Winter Gardens? Uh, yeah, no, that that was a whole different kettle of fish. <laughs> <laughs> Having been there as a spectator to watch Dean play, um my biggest fear was the heat. It's um it's a really really hot venue even when it's not hot outside and of course we were given a beautiful summer where the temperatures were through the roof weren't they so I I knew if I was going to struggle with anything being on the stage doesn't bother me I love being up there even though it does make the nerves kick in I was more concerned with how hot it was going to be and I it is the hottest place on the planet without. <laughs> and I have the problem of once I get warm, it to cool down again. It takes me a long time to get the temperature down. Um, having beaten Rihanna in the first first game, being the last of the first sort of group of women on, I literally was whisked off stage upstairs. We got to ball up with Fallon, and then we were back downstairs on the floor, ready to go again. So I started at 300 degrees, and then it elevated to like 500 degrees. So struggled with. The- the heat, and, and that was always going to be a problem for me. Um, what a fantastic state, what an experience, even more so to be part of the, the first eight ladies to be able to say that we took part in that. I suppose that kind of leads me on to something else, because, you know, the dates uh, and everything for the World Match Play were locked in, and now you've got the dates and so on locked in for the Women's World Match Play next year. You know what you're playing for, you know what you're chasing and then on the WDF side they've not officially confirmed the World Masters yet and there's no information on the World Championships. As a player how frustrating is that lack of information for you? Really, really frustrating and especially this year with there being so many tournaments it's hard work travelling, you know, when you take say to people, oh, where have you been since the last saw you? You know, and, and, oh, I've been to Germany and I've been to Sweden and I've been to Belgium and, you know, they, they think we're on holiday all the time and it's actually really hard work and it, it is getting to the point now where I'm sort of sitting back and thinking, why am I flogging myself to death for something that I really don't know what will happen, when it'll happen or even where it'll happen. Um, and I really do feel that as much as I'm not one to moan, we do need to start asking questions because if the World Championships is going to go ahead, it would be great to know about it because it, 
in our heads, if it was January, we're four months away. We're three, you know, two thirds of the way through the season. We've been playing for no prize at the end of it so far because we've not seen anything. So it is really, really frustrating. Really frustrating. Hmm. Well, I'll finish on a brighter note. I spotted that earlier in the year, before you and a number of other people took part in the, the sports styles fishing event, you did some archery. How did you get on with those arrows? Do you really have to ask that question? <laughs> my, practice, my practice session of archery was fantastic. It was brilliant. And again, it's a whole different ball game when suddenly you're up there by yourself and there's a camera in your face and it's like, yeah, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't great. But I, all I'm saying, I was the strongest player out there than everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today, Lorraine. I really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck for the rest of the season, whatever that holds for you. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Lorraine. She's always one of my favourite players to to speak to. And it was really interesting hearing her talking at the end about the lack of clarity for players regarding the World Masters and the the World Championship and how that affects attitudes going into next season and where you think about travelling and going for events. This coming weekend, there are three events. There's the British Classic and the British Open in Bridlington, a silver and a gold, and then the silver-graded North Queensland Classic in Australia. Uh, British Open, the men's entries, I think it's 273 the last time I looked, which is well down on last year, but there is a clash with the Challenge Tour and most of the top Challenge Tour players have opted for that final weekend rather than going to Bridlington, which is totally understandable. But it still looks like a pretty strong field all in all. In terms of seeded players... You've got the world champion, Neil Duff. He was on the show last month saying that big darts were coming. And he then went and got to a semi-final and and won a title over in Australia. He's back now, his first WDF action since then. And I think he'll very much be in the mix. I think his compatriot, Barry Copeland, has, has had a very good year. He'll probably be in the mix as well. James Hurrell, the England captain, has had a strong year. Always getting deep in these sort of tournaments. and I think he'll go well again. Darren Johnson and Martin Turner, regular fixtures at the business end of WF competitions. Chris Landman, Richard Vainstra, always dangerous. Jamie Lewis was on the show very recently, got a title behind him now. Luke Littler, I think, could have a very, very good weekend. He's practising hard, I know that. Uh, Mark Barilli, he's not really played since the, the Dutch Open. I know he lost his passport, so uh, Mark will be back in action, been having a very good year, of, you know. Uh, not just this year, but you know, go back 12 months. He had a very good 2021 as well, getting back to the World Championship. So Mark will likely be in the mix at some point during the weekend. And Anthony Allen as well. He got to a final in Sweden, but he'd been playing very well before then. And I think that he's likely to have a good weekend here. Uh, friend of the show, John Scott, he'll be in action. Same goes for fellow friend of the show, Sean McDonald. Hopefully both of those guys can uh, pick up some points this weekend put themselves in good position for the rest of the year and uh, it'll be nice to see Gary Robson and Tony O'Shea in action as well because you know two two guys that I grew up watching a lot of and it'll be nice to see them get good runs sort of uh, for, for old time's sake and you know in terms of unseeded names there's a lot to watch out for as well you've got Jared Cole, Ryan DeVried, Nick Kenny, Dave Ladley, 
there's some really decent unseeded players there and I think it should be competitive even if numbers are down. Looking at the women's tournaments, the numbers are slightly stronger uh, or, or they've not dropped off as much. It's I think it's 73, 74 at the moment, which is a, a drop on last year, but it's, you know, holding strong, I would say, in comparison to, to what they have been getting. So not too bad a return there. You've got Lisa Ashton in action, Bo Greaves, Dieter Hedman, Lorraine Hyde. Rainwind Stanley, Anka Zilstra, Vicky Prowm. So, you know, the, the the usual suspects. It should be a very strong field. I think Laura Turner will go well this weekend. I think Yvonne Taylor is a someone to watch out for. Probably won't be a high seed, but she's a very steady player and likely to be dangerous here. Natalie Gilbert, I think she's always on the precipice of, of breaking through at one of these events and going all the way. And Denise Cassidy from Northern Ireland, she's someone that's been around the game a long time, always dangerous, and things don't always seem to go her way, but she could well have a strong weekend here too. So be a very good weekend, I'm sure, competitive stuff all the way through, and it'll all be on Dark Connect, so you can follow all of it on there. No need for me to, to come on next week and have a rant about there not being enough coverage. Anyway, that's all for this week. Thank you very much to Lorraine for her time and to you guys for listening. I'll be back next week, hopefully with a couple of guests on the show, recap the British Open and start looking ahead towards the Europe Cup. You'll also be able to hear me later in this week. I'll be on the weekly darts cast where I was filling in for Burton DeWitt to talk about the Euro Tour, the World Series, the WF, the ADC and the Moda Super Series. Good fun with friend of the show, Alex Moss. But as I say, that's all for this week. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at amsinclair97. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Inside the WDF. You can like the Facebook page, Inside the WDF, and you can rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'll catch you on the other side. <laughs>